0: With the opportunity to work with food pantries, gangs, homeless shelters, and addition to missionary work, establishing churches across the globe. Those oh, experiences have, have, have helped me right. develop leadership and interpersonal skills, preparing for this moment. Hmm. Um, some of Thank those you, Jordan Maskey. Our pantry <laughs> churches in Mexico City, and, uh, Miami, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, I've uh, been part of churches in New Jersey and San Diego most recently. And, um, you know, one of the things that we all probably have in common is when we go out and we shop and we buy things, we want, like, the best. We want the real thing, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody to buy something on? Amazon or eBay get something like this, this isn't a uh, uh, on the picture in <laughs> the description. I did that once for Valentine's Day. My wife wanted the perfume perfume and I got it and I was like, This is not uh, this perfume. Is. But it looked it looked real. Uh, and you um, know, it's uh, So, you know, we, we can't stand, I can't stand imitation. Um, we've, we've got some imitation vanilla, spice, <laughs> 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 and they, they're not, they're not, I wish you were it away. <laughs> but, uh, Robert and Michelle are from real
1: food. Come on, bro. Go. All right. <laughs> Let's go. I love that that's on, sure This morning, what you're
0: going to hear today is, is what I had the privilege and some, a couple others, of us had the privilege of, of having that opportunity to be able to hear and see the real thing for, for uh, some time. Uh, and does anybody remember where you were uh, February 14th, 1999? Mm-hmm. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Uh, you weren't born yet? Uh, well, uh, that was the first time I, I met Robert. It was a, uh, Valentine's Day, it was a Sunday, and we had a campus service. I a campus Sunday at Rutgers, and I was invited, and I pretty much rolled out of bed, walked across the student center, and I can still tell you what that message was about. It was about love. It's about how uh, God loves us, how we're supposed to love God, and how we're supposed to love each other. And um, it, it takes it takes quite quite a bit to be able to make uh, that type of uh, impact on a guy like me. And uh, so. Um, Robert, you, you made a, a tremendous impact on me and it's great to be able to have the opportunity to introduce you. Um, I know um, Jason, uh, Kelsey, <laughs> Shelly, were all a part of the ministry and we all have a lot uh, of gratitude and, and a lot to be thankful for because that's the way that you did serve and how you have uh, led your life. So thank you. Robert, career.
1: <laughs>
2: Stories about guys. Oh, okay. nice. <laughs> so nice to me. I just can't do it right now. Okay, I don't have enough time, but another time. <laughs> you know, first of all I just I want to say it's it's so encouraging to meet it's, uh, you just—I just felt like we were just, we shall, we're just soaking up your zeal, your excitement, uh, the love and the fellowship. And this is this is just one of the best parts of doing what I do, and the ways that God blesses me, uh, and, and shall be able to with you guys. Thank you, thank you for your faith, thank you for your love. Um, I'm excited to share what what we're going to share. Uh, it's actually the result of uh, some uh, kind of a, a long story, but I'll make it super short. Um, you know, uh, Billy shared kind of our trajectory around the world in uh, the ministry years, and we actually, Michelle and I became Christians, became Christians, Uh, Michelle was in the teen ministry, she was uh, 17 years old, uh, Point Loma High School in San Diego, and uh, we were the Poway Church of Christ, uh, and I became a Christian as a sophomore at the University of San Diego, and uh, uh, we both... (coughs) Your religious background, became disciples, learned so many great things, that our lives so incredibly blessed uh, by amazing people that God put in our lives, and in even difficult times that have caused us to grow and learn so much, and, and, and blessed us to have a family that is so different than the generations before our families, and we've been blessed in so many incredible ways, and and you know, in in at the. Just after the turn of the century, 2001. You guys remember uh, the, the the 9/11 disaster that happened in New York. We were we were actually there in New York. Then the 9/11 disaster that kind of happened in the church and all the great things we learned from that time period. And out of that time period, I walked away with a deep hunger to just understand more. What is God doing? Yep. Where where do we miss some steps? What do I need to understand to be a better church builder? To be a better disciple of Jesus? To be somebody who helps people more effectively? Mm-hmm. So um, we packed up, moved to San Diego, and I, and I started to school <coughs> at Epidine University mm-hmm. and to get a Master's in Divinity. And I just I really just wanted to understand. I wanted to grow in my knowledge and in, in, in humility so that God could use me in better ways not repeat the mistakes I've made before and make new mistakes, which is a good thing. You know? and, 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 um, and I learned a lot of great things. I was blessed to have some amazing professors and just given the opportunity to do some incredible studies. This is kind of a result of two studies, two research projects that I was given. I would drive from San Diego. Pepperdine was three hours away. It's three hours away. It's in Malibu. Three hours south of San Diego. People say, why? are You pass a lot of great schools, why are you driving up there? Because I, I knew a lot of the professors by their books. And for me, it was worth it. It was worth it to drive up there. I drove up there once a week for seven years uh, to get my master's degree. They were very kind, very patient with me and worked with me on it. A Couple times classes were not available. So they allowed me to make the class and have oversight by a professor. One of them was, what makes churches grow? in this century? What makes churches effective in this century? I spent a whole semester just studying out movements, studying out churches, interviewing people from all the big churches, the the big popular churches that were growing out there, interviewing their staffs, and and that was a big, incredible, and inspiring research project. Then another one I did that came out of that one was a research project and another semester that allowed me to make the class on on, uh, small groups. What I learned. So, this is kind of just the tip of the iceberg. I think some of the practicals that help us uh, in terms of uh, leading churches and and leading Bible talks, leading small groups, how you evangelize the city. So, these were the things that I got out of the, the list. What I did is I, I boiled it down to five things that the fastest growing churches, fastest growing movements, groups that were having a large impact on the city did in common. Actually, I got a couple of previews. But um, number one was uh, they all had small groups. And there was actually two kinds of small group churches. There was, well, there's three kinds of churches. I put the churches in three categories. Churches that had no small groups. It wasn't Bible talks. It wasn't anything like that. just a large group of people that come together every week. Then churches with small groups. And those are churches that they're, they're you know, they, they have a congregation, and then they kind of, I remember the congregation is in a small group, a Bible talk or whatever you call it. And then the last category was churches that are small groups. And that was actually very cutting edge in the late 1990s. It was the house church movement. And it exploded as it sent turned into 2003, 2005. I, I, I'm trying to remember what year I did this project. I think it was around 2007, 2008. Um, and those are the three categories. And of the three categories, one group was not growing at all; was mm-hmm. rapidly disappearing. The stats are right now that every Sunday in America, eight, seven hundred churches close their doors. <laughs> and so it's 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 huge. And and you know, from from the perspective of missiology, the church of mission planning, church building, all that, this is in a watershed moment in history. Massive changes happening in Christendom. You know, and. and Thinking of church and how church is done and how people think of church. And so the group that was rapidly disappearing is the churches with no small groups. Where it's just a, a and 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 these are the traditional denominations by and large. The, 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 the bigger groups that have been around forever. Uh, then the second group that was growing was the churches in small groups, that, that everybody's kind of in a small group, and then the last group that was growing. Was the churches that are small groups? That's not, that's all they are. Is is uh, church small groups? So the second thing that they all had in common, and the first one's where I'm going to focus. But every time I've done this workshop, <coughs> gonna, the other four things I'm just giving to you for free. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the second one was they were involved in helping the poor, which is now actually very important to me. You know, it always has been, but even more so now. Uh, all the, the all these churches that are. Having a large impact, growing rapidly, or the movements that are spreading, very involved in either community service or some global mm-hmm. cause. Something that people were getting out there and having contact serving the poor. Uh, number three was uh, they were mission-minded. It was very much part of their culture that we're on a mission. Mm-hmm. Matthew 28. That doesn't belong to us. A lot of people read that and say, you know, we gotta go do something. And realize that 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 so their culture was their very mission-minded. Appreciate you guys are very mission-minded. You're you're all about raising up people and sending people out, finding new churches. That was a very intricate part, a very important part of their culture. Uh, Number four, very youth-aware, aware aware of that, the importance uh, of passing faith to the next generation and the next generation. Amen. All these churches had really intense youth programs, really intense efforts to, to involve the youth. A lot of them had something similar to a youth court, I think have. Um, except I would say that most of them had a much higher percentage of involvement, which is something we're trying to change with Hope Worldwide. Right now, about 5% of our youth go on Hope Worldwide, or on youth court. I'd like to see that become 95%. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, but that is something they, they all had in common. And then a uh, fifth one—they all had Spanish ministries. Did <laughs> <fifth laughs> <laughs> you not? Know, I didn't read that up. Um, well, these were the fastest-growing movements. They all had uh, large wow. Spanish ministries. And in global perspective, because I also say in global perspective, they would have some kind of a ministry that reached out to some booming population. Well, and one, you know, in, for example, in Puerto Rico. There's Haitians and Dominicans with a booming population, a minority, but that that was there. Or, or you know, every country has that. They have minority population. In the United States, the churches that were growing fast were churches that were also reached out to Spanish communities. And then the other freebies that I just threw in there, that they invested in worship. Come on. They put a lot of work into having great worship, which is a huge draw. And then um, last one. Messianic lifestyle emphasis, uh, meaning that what we would call discipleship, but even more to the point, was an emphasis on people living like Jesus. You know that that emphasis, that focus, that you know, I grew up going to church and I never once crossed my mind that I was supposed to be like Jesus. You know, that that having that focus, that we're supposed to be like Jesus, we're supposed to live like Jesus, we're supposed to have his convictions. Um, that was one of the also not not in all of them, and I wouldn't even say it was it was strong in all of them, but it was there. It was definitely there, and that was actually one of the kind of the booming trends uh, in a lot of church growth around 2003, 2005. Everybody was talking about share. It was like suddenly discovered. Right about time we were afraid of it. <laughs> and the rest of the religious world was discovering it, the power of it. And, what a difference it makes, so um, those are the names. that we're, today we're talking about small group churches, so I'm going to go through some of the basics and then we'll just have a Q&A time afterwards, for, um, whatever time we have, um, small groups, life groups, there's a lot of different names, just by every ministry we have, we have at least one session trying to come a more clever name for it, you know, there's always different names out there, Um I was looking for you. The <laughs> that everybody wants to be part of a group of friends. Right? I mean, that was one of the most popular shows for many years, right? Friends. And, and everybody wants to be part of a group like that, a band of brothers. We're wired that way. That we all want to be part of a group. Whoa. whoa. We all want to be uh, part of a group that we relate Remember to. We were the that Titans. We friends, and we love movies. We love shows that show that. Oh, let me you know, steal really, my All the time in ministry, you usually are with a group of close friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where, where you're all together and you're there for each other. And if anybody struggles, somebody's right there. Yeah. You know, somebody's there to help you. And if somebody else. And that's that. We all want that. We, we were wired that way. We were created that way. Uh, you know, the United Nations <coughs> passed a resolution that. Solitary confinement is defined as cruel and unusual punishment. Why? Because we literally go crazy. We're all by ourselves, right? We want to be part of a team. We want to be part of something bigger than us. Something that we bond with others. We're created that way. So, um, why are small groups a key? And this is some of this. I, I you know, I don't want to kind of get into all the theology behind it, but there's. There's, a, there's some pretty major forces here that are bigger than what we n- normally think of. God is a small group. You know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is love. Love is receiving and giving, right? Love is between two beings, two people, between a group. God is love. God's nature. We, we, he is a we. He is a plural. He is, he, is, he is community. And our church is community. To have in common that we have a community. So it goes way back to just even how the universe is set up. That we are about connection. God is all about connecting bringing people together. Connecting everybody. Satan is the opposite. He's all about dividing Mm -hmm. and separating and, and hostility. And Jesus comes and tears down the walls of hostility and brings us together to create that community. So we're wired for that. Yeah, okay. We like it, even if you're not a Christian, you still want to be part of a great football team <coughs> or a great group of friends or, you know, but, but there's a reason that we like that. There's a reason that we're wired for this. Um, Jesus used small groups, right? The most obvious one is the group of apostles that traveled with him. I mean, it was the way of teaching, yes, and there's historical reason behind that, but it's where he taught them. Right, it's, it's how it works, you come together, he he used small groups, Paul, you know, you read the edits of his letters, he's got all his buddies that he ran around with and, and he had his small group and, and 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 it works in a small group. Christianity thrives in a small group where we have these relationships, where we have this commitment to one another, where we can uh, help each other. Um, the early, whoops, the early often, huh? The early often, the early church often met in small groups, right? There's a lot of examples of that, um, house to house and house churches. <coughs> and now I'm not uh, well. I'll clarify this later. Um, one of you know one of the I would say dogmatic swings in mission growth. Christianity in general, like anything, has these things that pop up, and get real popular, everybody gets into it, and then people forget about and move on to the next cool new thing for a while, discipleship was the cool little thing in the Christian world. And everybody was talking about it. Everybody had discipleship programs and discipleship plans and all this kind of stuff. And then, all of a sudden, small groups became real popular. And usually, is always an extreme version of that. That, oh, it, it has to be this way. It has to be house churches. And, and the house church movement, not everybody's like that, but there's some in the house church movement that are now teaching that you know it has to be this way. Which, it doesn't have to be that way. That is a key, but... It's not one of the commandments, it's not taught that we all have to be only in small groups. We know, I mean, look at today, the dynamic feeling, the, the, the power of all of us coming together. Which, you don't get that with five people. But you do get that with a thousand people. Wow! Now there's other things that you do get with five people, right. and we'll talk about that. Um, four, it helps facilitate authentic community. Um, you know, when you're with six, 10, 15 people that are your close friends, it's hard to be fake. You know, they know you, they know you. You know, your close friends, those are the people that look at you when you walk through the door and say, what's wrong? What's going on, bro? Sister, what's happening? And it, 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 it facilitates genuine, real Christianity. Mm-hmm. I think of the talks that happen as well. It's just different times in my Christian life where I had a Bible talk that was my Bible talk. Michelle and I had a Bible talk one time of young marriage. We were living in Miami. And and we, you know, it just kept baptizing couples and kept baptizing couples and it was growing. And, and we loved being together. We were having so much fun. I remember one day I was talking to one of the couples and I realized as we're talking uh, that we all, we, you know, they had family night with another couple. Several of us ended up to getting together family night. Tuesday night we had Bible talk. Wednesday night we had house church. Thursday night we had a potluck dinner all together. Friday night we all went out sharing together. Saturday night we all went on dates together. <coughs> okay, we need, we're, we're together all the time. We need some separate time just with our spouses. Why? Because we just loved being together. You know, we just had so much fun being together. And every couple we brought wanted to be part of our group. You know, it's like, okay, what do I got to do? I got to get baptized? I got (laughs) to... What did they see? They saw the love. They saw the genuine faith, the genuine and sincere love between us. And a small group its a powerful thing. People, it's powerful. People see it, they feel it, they want to be part of it. Um, It facilitates deeper relationships. Uh, You know, when when we are... uh, you know, you think about who, who do you want to open up to? Somebody that's great at rebuking people. <laughs> somebody that has all the right answers. Somebody who loves you and believes you. That's who you want to open up. That's who you want to bear your soul. That's who you want to confess your sin when you blow it, right? You want to share it with somebody who hopefully loves you and believes you. And not that it has to be that way. I mean, we need to be open and honest about our lives. But boy, does it facilitate that when we're with a group of friends. Yeah. <laughs> boy, is that is that so much easier when you're sitting down, talking with a couple of brothers that they know you, they love you, you love being together, you believe in each other. And you know that they're gonna tell you the truth, but they also, you also know they're not gonna write you off. You know, they're not gonna kick you out of their hearts. So in that small group setting, it facilitates deeper relationships, mm. yeah. and and this is part of what makes a good small group is you gotta have that commitment. Mm-hmm. That's that's it's gotta be fostered. It's gotta be and and, and there's times where you know you, you'll get a small group, you're asked to lead a small group, and people don't show up, and people aren't yeah. committed to it, and you know there's this or if <laughs> they're gonna be there. And, and sometimes you have to sit down and talk about, okay, what do we want our small group to be? Do we want to be committed to each other? Do we want to be there for each other? And you have that talk. You talk about what is it going to take for us to be a really a loving group that people can come to our Bible talk and see Jesus. Amen. And see God's love. And sometimes you just, you just put it on the table. Guys, I don't feel like we're each
1: Yeah.
2: I don't feel like we're there. for. I feel like we're really distracted or whatever it is. Um, but that is where that should happen. And that's the best place to happen. Yeah. You, you don't walk in on Sunday morning and there's a thousand people. I need to be open with somebody. Yeah. You know, I need to share my sin with somebody. Believe me, I, I grew up in a traditional church. You go in a box, you tell somebody your sin. It didn't really help your heart. It didn't really help your heart. But so getting in there and building those relationships um, it facilitates discipleship for a lot of the same reasons. These are the people who know you. These are the people who know your weaknesses. These are the people you can help each other with. This is the community that God gives us at the first level. I know, they know, these brothers know my weakness. They know what to ask me. They know when I'm going to struggle. They know what situations that are gonna make me struggle. And this is where, and, and in a healthy church, in a healthy environment, we have these relationships. And sometimes, and for a lot of us and around the world, we've, we've been working to get back to this. Where we're that deep with each other. Where we believe in each other. Where we help each other. Where we can even disciple one another. But with Jesus as the focus, instead of just who's over who, and who can tell who, what to do, and who has to get advice from who. It's Amen. no longer about authority. It's not about Amen. Host, top dog and bottom dog. And it's, it's all about just helping. Amen. And there's over 40 different scriptures about one another and each other, right? When Michelle and I moved back to San Diego, and San Diego was going through a really, really, really difficult time, there were two words I was told that we don't want to hear about. Them. We don't want to hear about evangelism, and we don't want to hear about discipleship. Yeah. And I was just a volunteer preacher I wasn't even on staff But I was like, okay, how do I talk about discipleship without using the word discipleship? <laughs> <laughs> you know what we're gonna, We're going to spend the next X amount of Sundays, we're going to read every scripture about each other and one another mm-hmm. Putting those into practice, Amen. people actually loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, I have to confess. Guess what? That's really cool. That's cool. We use the D word. <laughs> I got, over it. Amen. I got over it. But
0: and, and it was, I mean, okay, I, I tell you, let
2: me be really open here. I'm teaching this. I'm in the middle of the series, right? And I happen to see Bruce Williams up in Orange County, and Yay. we're talking and. And, and so we had talked, and some service, and I'm driving home, and he calls me up and he says, "Hey, bro, I was just wondering, you know, you're kind of leading the San Diego church now. How about you and I start a discipling relationship?" And my blood froze. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> After I'm the one teaching the class. Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean your opinions are not going to be my laws? Does that mean if I don't do what you think, then I'm rebellious? And, you know, what, what does that mean? And, and we had a talk. I said, bro, I know I should just say yes, but can I talk it over with Michelle and pray about it and get back to you? He was like, yeah, no problem. Do, do, do But I realized, whoa, this is exactly what people are feeling, you know? That we had to go back and approach it, not from even the word, because the word, you know, there's interesting things. You notice that Jesus avoided the title Messiah, right? because there was a preconceived notion. Mm -hmm. So he defined it, he wanted to define it Mm -hmm. so that they didn't have this preconceived notion. I realized, okay, discipleship has got a preconceived notion. And everybody thinks about, you know, I say the word discipleship and people run out the door. (laughs) But what what do they want? They really want to be in great relationships. Everybody wants to be loved. And that was at our worst and most fearful point. Things are way, way better, but, but, it's that relationship that's so important to us. And we need it yeah. to get to heaven, right? Yeah. It takes a village to get you to heaven. Right? Amen. It takes a village to get me to heaven, that's for sure. Um, it facilitates, facilitates spiritual growth, where we learn how to help each other, where we learn how to use scripture, hopefully where you we can use scripture. Amen. Where we open our Bibles and share with each other where we learn uh, great scriptures to use with each other. <coughs> where we learn what to do, what not to do. Yep. I remember learning, you know, that that when you hear somebody did something really stupid or something really bad, first ask them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't come in you. Amen. Right. Amen. That's an important lesson to learn. Yeah. Find out that, that mm-hmm. you really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this really happened, you know. You learn all this stuff. You see other people make the mistakes. We we learn from each other. We grow together. Um, number eight, it facilitates leadership development, where we learn how to lead others, how to help the young teachers, how to help a group, how to help uh, each other grow. What, what to study? What to focus on? What, to, what, you know, group dynamics. You know, and some of us have the gift of leadership, where we're going to be at a higher level and higher expectations, and hopefully we're using that gift because we've been given. It. But all of us are a leader at some level, right? You yeah, have kids, you're a leader. Right? You're, you get married, you're a leader. are leaders at work. So there are many things. There's so much we learn in that little setting about how to have how to be there for one another. Some of us are great at being loving and warm, not so good at dealing with sin. And we learn how to deal with sin from the guys, the sisters, are right? Some of us are great at identifying. Ooh! learn from in our And hopefully, not everybody in like you. Hopefully,
0: variety bro. And we can learn from So
2: the whole group learns from the loving one. The whole yeah. group learns from the one yeah. who detects sin yeah. and call it out and deal with it. You know? We all learn, and you cannot, one well, of the classic mistakes in Christianity is to separate the attributes of God. Yeah. Well, we're going to deal with sin and discipline and then next six weeks we're going to focus on love and grace. And you can't separate those. They go together. Yeah. Jesus came full of what?
0: Grace. grace. grace right?
2: Not while well, Monday through Wednesday it was full of grace, <laughs> Thursday through Saturday, we, got to <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. mm-hmm. we learned that from each other. In our small groups, our small groups are not just a meeting. The community, Amen. so much happens in those groups. It facilitates a mission lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's, it's great to reach out to somebody, and have them over your house. That's right and good. It it just ramps up even more when they come and see your group.
1: Yep.
2: And they see the love and they see the relationship. I, mean, I you know I like Jeff Chacone. if you know Jeff Chacone, he's like one of the sweetest
1: people on the planet. Yeah. You know, he's just a really great, loving, warm guy. I thought he was kind of a coconut when I met him, but I don't
2: know. What does a coconut
1: He He's a coconut. he brought me some Bible coffee. He says, boop, I was drawn away by all these guys. First I
0: I met My wife the
2: uh, 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 by her, but, her. A, her boyfriend was leading the Bible talk. It took me a few years to get ready of him. It was so much more it was,
1: it, Actually, it was soul talk. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and soul song, talk. The the there, and there's a much
2: more impacting than just watching Christians. <laughs> Seeing Christians, <laughs> you yeah. know, you see their love. You see their grace. You see their devotion to each other. Mm. Powerful. That yep. mm. is so not like the world. Yeah. Mm. So different. Yep. Mm. It's striking. It's <laughs> see it up close in the Bible. Mm. We see it up close in, in your swamp. Number ten, it, it facilitates right. full participation. You know, when you're in a group of 30 people, you can hide out. Yes. When you ask questions, you're not anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when there's only six of you sitting there,
1: you know, yeah. yeah,
2: We're we're all there. We're looking at each other. You know, <laughs> and if you don't make a comment, it's a lot much quieter. You know, and, and 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 for a lot of us, it's it's tough. Honestly, it's just tougher to speak in a crowd. But in that small group, we feel safe. Yeah. We share. A great, great place to, to, to invite everybody, to trust. <laughs> and everybody has responsibilities, and everybody, and, and, and that's part of making a great small group is making sure that everybody has a responsibility. Yeah. Even if it's just you're responsible for setting up the chairs, but you have something, yeah. you have a job, you have a, you have something that you contribute. And the fact is, everybody is given gifts by God to contribute. Yeah. 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 The problem is the bigger the group, the less people feel that way. Right. Yeah. You know, there's oh yeah, well brother So he's incredible at that, so you know I'll never do that because we've got so and so in the group. The bigger the group, the more likely that to happen. The smaller the group, the more important everybody is. And you're on a mission. Your, 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 your small group should be a mission team. And we work together when you know or teen or young marriage you don't convert. It's not one couple converts another couple, it's the group converts. The That's right. Mm-hmm. And we all work together and build those relationships. And it's a powerful thing when everybody works together. That's the beauty of it. Um,
1: yeah.
2: It's a huge shift right now, as I was saying. You know, just a couple of quotes. The dominant force in Christianity today is the house church. or Now they call house church what we would call Bible college. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but the generic term of house church, or this is the age of revolution or comparable to the Reformation the Great Awakening, that's George Barney they have the Barna website with all the research and studies uh, they've well documented this shift um, and are very, and the huge becomes of this um, <coughs> so it's pretty well recognized he's Dr. John Barnes, he's the church growth expert, a lot of people cite most significant church growth event in the United States church today and for decades to come is the explosion of small groups. This is just being recognized. This is is a key to growth, a key to change. The landscape of the Christian church is changing faster than at any other point in American history. We're actually living in the middle of a huge change right now. I mean, generations in the future, Jesus doesn't come back first. Future generations will study this time how the world changed, how society changed, the political landscape changed, the social landscape changed, environment changed, everything changed. We're in the middle of it And it's huge. And one of the keys of the churches surviving this church is small The strength of the strong Because you can have a lot of small groups, but if they're not strong, they don't make a no difference. If people aren't committed to them, they make no difference. If we don't learn to be devoted to one another in those groups, they don't make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to make a difference. There's no, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, wow. This is a here. Uh, Trying to get to stop on that graph. Oh, well. Okay, so the graph is. <laughs> and it generally, how family do people feel in their church? The bigger the church, the less they tend to feel like family. The more they just tend to feel like a number or just one you know, person in the group. Except when they're in class. <laughs> <laughs> then, really, that's where you get the best of both worlds. Because you have your small group, and that's where you're really family. And you walk into church, you see your small group. So you feel connected, you feel the love, you feel the bond. But you also get the power of a large group of people <coughs> worshiping God. Amen. the powerful sermon. Powerful worship, and, uh, and then, and that is even more uh, so, even more highlighted when we talk about team ministries, singles ministries, campus ministries. The power of that large group has a great impact on everybody, but that depends on the strength of the small groups. There are, you know, this is this is the forever complaint of mega churches. This is the huge weakness in Native churches. That they become tens of thousands. There's a church in San Diego that uh, it's probably about 20 years old now, and I, I don't know. Last last time I checked, there were about 25,000 members. And you can tell, you can talk to people, and they'll they tell you it's great. It's a rock concert. It's a rock concert. I mean, every Sunday is a rock concert, Christian rock concert. But there's no depth. They don't have the relationships. And so people they like it just like you like going to a concert. Mm-hmm. But in terms of spiritual value, mm-hmm. it's very shallow, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get help. And they'll and they'll try to make up. Oftentimes, m- try to make up with it with multiple programs. Mm-hmm. You know, programs about building relationships, programs about family, and all these things that try to replace what they're not getting mm-hmm. in their Bible talks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's only the most aggressive. And the most uh, type A personalities that will go to those and learn something. Most people don't have time to go to that many programs. And so they miss out on that. And so they have a, 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 a revolving door. And what's interesting, one of the phenomena that I that I saw in, in Orange County, um, you know, in the 90s, the big church was the Crystal Cathedral. Yep. And that was really popular, there was huge, thousands of people going there. Um, and then the Crystal Cathedral started to decline to the point where, a couple of years ago, it, was, it went bankrupt, and sold, Catholic Church bought it, mm-hmm. and it's the, the Archdiocese of, Arch, of Orange County now. That's my I, I said, "Well, wow, the empire strikes back here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> then their kids, their kids, but their, a lot of their kids went to the Permanent Spirit Church, which is right down the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of their kids are going to the Mosaic Church, which is a, this really cool hipster church. You know, they have they have like symbols. They have the water symbol, that's the spirit, of fire, they have different symbols, and it's it's called the the, the Gospel according to Starbucks. It's a kind full of <laughs> sensory experience. You smell eucalyptus, you hear water trickling. And you know exists it's a <laughs> full century experience. I honestly started to think this was a joke, right? It was chocolate, how was that looks good? It sounds good, Nice couches or chairs, you know, in But um but in tradition now west that's not new. You walk into the Catholic church you smell, you see, you on and off, you know, it's a great sensory experience. But what was interesting to me was how generation to generation was going to different. And many of these different leaders, different uh, people trying to figure this out came back to small groups. And that's the people really pay out your Christianity. Well, that's where your Christianity really shows up. Does it happen everywhere? Well, is it, is it really effective? What about outside the United States? Uh, the famous Church in South Korea, Dr. Cho, 800,000 members. And for them, it's 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 uh well, it's it's dogmatic. You know, it, you, you start out with a small group, you reach 12, you divide six, boom. Then you reach another 12, you divide six, boom. Um, people criticized them, said, well, this small group thing would never work outside of Asia. You know, Asians, they're, they're awesome, they're organized, of course they're working in Asia. Yeah, I'm never working on in America, no way. So, so, so yeah, so they started a church with the same model in Bogotá, Colombia it reached five hundred and twenty thousand members. Um wow. small Nigeria, hundred and twenty four thousand members of the church. Um many of the churches even here in the United States that were built first on the mega church model, then kind of went back and tried to rebuild the small church model. When I was interviewing people They would ask me what percentage of your church, and uh, this was a low point in San Diego. We were barely starting to recover from some pretty bad times. At that point, we were about thirty percent of the church was in a small group, and I knew because I was doing a survey every year just to see where we're at, how we're doing. And uh, they were most of the people I talked to were amazed because after a couple years of pushing everybody to get in a small group, they'd be at fifteen percent, they'd be at twelve percent a lot of these mega churches because they're already built on the idea that you just go and visit God. You know, you're not actually part of something seven days a week. Um, every year, the San Diego church, we push, we push, and we went from about 30%, to 50%, 75%, to about 90%. The last time I checked, I think we were about 85%. And that was about seven years ago. So, And now it's become just, you know, like a lot of churches, it's just our culture again that everybody's in a small group took a while to get there, it took all these talks. And I actually used our church for my research project. They didn't know it, but we were the guinea pigs. <laughs> and the difference it was and it impacted everything. Of course, contributions, <laughs> attendance on Sundays, baptism, <clears throat> restorations, everything dramatically increased. Just getting everybody back into a Bible. <laughs> so we're studying the Bible, reading, praying. Um, uh, One of the slides that will not show up for some reason, is the different names that have been used uh, for small groups. And uh, one of the things that was interesting to me was, that really is in many ways our roots. And I jumped out about being in the soul top. any of you guys converted into soul top? You guys were the original leaders, right? (laughs) Um, You know, that was a wrap. That was a so radical, well this thing just... I'm doing it, I'm trying to <laughs> find that slide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doing it, which slide oh, right. did you want? <laughs> okay, right after that. all right. Right there, right there.
1: Uh, no, that was the chart, there. that's okay. This is where I'm at. Maybe you can click it for me.
2: But the, 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 the key was not to get dogmatic about it. should um, be right Different churches do different. Um, the, a lot of different names: family groups, life groups. Right. Uh, house, house churches. Uh, the general common principle is that small groups should be small. They mm-hmm. should be small. They should not be, you know, over 15, 20 people. Not that that won't be fun. That can be a lot of fun. I I could collect 25 friends and have a blast. But they tend to not function well to get more superficial. All the big group stuff starts to, <laughs> start to take over. Um, let me see if I can go to the next one here. Ooh, let's go back to the seven, seven, seven deadly
0: yeah.
2: sins. I think it's the next one, already. Try that. So here's the seven deadly sins. <laughs> Number one, becoming a spiritual quick. You're having so much fun you don't really want to add anybody. You're afraid they'll you know, rock the boat, might not play with everybody, um, it's got this great chemistry going, you don't want to disturb it. Um, like I said, it, it quickly begins to lose its purpose. Now. And it becomes more just uh, about enjoying each other rather than losing sight of the mission. Um, classic thing is we're having so much fun we don't want to split. Yeah. We don't want to create another small group. But it's important to remember that that's why we're here, right? We're, we're on a mission. We're not just a club. That's just a club a small group. Um, number two, being inconsistent in meeting together. Instead of somebody starts saying, are we meeting this week, you're in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. and that means that people don't count on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the death, the death, death. that's the, the depth. Um, it needs to be consistent that people can count on. And people will count on it. Once it's a good small group, people will count on That's a great time this week. Number four, oh, what do you want to have this <laughs> week? <laughs> 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 Number four, do, <laughs> leaders um, do, do
1: it. All all. Leaders. leaders
2: can do it. Do it all, leaders. Leaders who do everything in a small group. They prepare the stacks, they set up the chairs, they host it, they lead it, they put the fan, they, you know. They, they, they need the whole thing. I went to a congregation recently. One guy led everything. The welcome, the prayer, the psalms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, okay, we got problems here. Uh, 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 nobody's going to raise up in this church. Um, uh, but we have, we do that. We, we can sometimes do that in small Sometimes have an innocent deal. We, just, we love it. We're having a great time. But this is a great chance, as we said earlier, to raise up new leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And the more people feel responsible, the more they feel ownership, the more they feel excitement about it. Mm-hmm. Um, shallow groups, uh, having the pack, we don't talk about certain things. No, we need to talk about those things. In fact, probably the things that we don't want to talk about are great things we yeah. you
0: need.
2: Know, no, uh, no elephants in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, No sacred cows. <laughs> so we need to talk about things. There's problems in the relationship. We gotta get them resolved. Yeah. And and these are these are, dynamics that will kill a small people. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No
2: There's conflict, nobody wants to deal with it, nobody wants mm-hmm. to bring it up. Bring it up. Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. If it go well, well then get help. Right. If you get somebody to sit down and help you. Get um, go to the elders. Find out, you know, how to <coughs> get out all the sin so that you can have great relationships. Yeah. Um, allowing and tolerating things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know this is a, this is the safe atmosphere to talk about. How are we doing? Right. How's our purity? How's our how's our commitment to to evangelizing the world? How's our how's our giving? How's our parenting? How's our marriage? This is this is the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. This is the place. Yep. Don't let you group it from Allowing and tolerating sin um, and ignoring God's plan and purpose. And that's that's the obvious one when a small group just all the things about fun and and relationship, and not realize, no, we're here to reach out to people. We're here to impact our community, to make a difference. Uh, In San Diego, it totally changed the church. It changed everything uh, for us in in about a three-year process. And and we we had hit an incredible low. San Diego was about 1,600 members, and it went all the way down to about 800. Half the Michelle and I went to the first midweek. When we got there, it was five people, in mm-hmm. and we knew this. This is bad. And we focused on the one another, the each other relationship. We focused on everybody getting back involved in a small group and we talked a lot about the purpose. All these points were like these were workshops, and uh, getting back to these things, and uh, we just saw the church come back. The hard part, obviously, was dealing with sandwiches. You gotta deal with it, right? Yeah. Um, and staying focused on the mission, on the purpose. We, uh, when we first started, back up one. Oh, can you can go, Jim, take it to the next sure. one. Sure. Um, we had fifty-three small groups. We counted was Fifty-three small groups in our county. <coughs> we mapped out the county to figure out, okay, how are we gonna get a, everybody within ten minutes of a small group? An entire county, three million people. So. We mapped it out, we went 53, let's show the next one, we went to 95, and that says today, but that was today, like seven years ago, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we had 95 small groups, today. and the next one was our goal, was wow. three different groups, then every neighborhood in San Diego could be evangelized. Wow. We can evangelize the whole city, and every small group just take responsibility for it very exciting parents. It really just I would say that is from from first year to third year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of growth and excitement and zero. So that's that's the general small group you. seen that has worked with young families
0: married with kids, managing their jobs, kids schedulers, what has worked for in
2: that narrative where you're still creating that type of environment? Yeah. I, I would say, in my experience, you just described the toughest situation, the hardest one. Um, they have been, the ones that I've seen to successful, they've been very creative and they don't have, they'll hold their small group. do stuff, together. oftentimes revolves around the kids, so it's evangelism, that, and um, they kind of work as a team. The traditional, we sit in a circle, it's all quiet, one person doesn't tend to work in the work of that group. You know, it's usually on the go, on the fly, you know, the girls all get together, the guys all get together. But, and, and, and I would also say uh, that it's not rigid so that it's, you know, one hour this day a week. There should be a time that we can count on getting together and how to outreach? How to get together? Uh, the guys would get together Saturday and pray craze, about whatever. they to talk about the women to get together next Saturday morning. Then the Bible talk would be centered around the kids. They do something that's really fun for the kids, and they fight friends and get everybody plugged in. There's a, there's just a lot. It just requires a lot more creativity. Lynn, you were really good at that. Yeah. I started through some of
1: my family.
0: We used to have a Bible talk at the park. And the Bible talk would meet here, and then the kids would meet over here, and one of the parents left, the visitors could see their kids.
1: And they would be working on a play or something during Bible talk, while we were having Bible talk, and then they would come back and present it to you adults, And everyone would round back it to the kitchen table. I think on Monday night.
2: the regions would probably do different things. So but but um, both have worked. And the one in our region I know that Shane Sarah were reading that they sometimes they had it with the parents then they would do sweeps <coughs> just the team. Mm-hmm. And then even sometimes they would have them all together then mm-hmm. they go, to go back to small group. So a variety um when it comes to the more mature uh
1: within the group because there are uh, needs to be met uh, and challenges that uh, one doesn't want to be insensitive to. Yeah. Um, how do you, uh, do you have any ideas about finding that balance between serving one another, uh, making sure we're, we're not having unrealistic <coughs> expectations, but at the same time focusing on evangelism? And I'm sure creativity has something to do with that too.
2: Yeah, uh, creativity really, has a lot to do with it. Um, our, you know, last year, I know that the two groups that grew the most were campus and empty um, And empty nesters are just, they're blowing it out. Um, Yeah, there's, there's not one generic answer, to this question What are the needs of our group? What are the challenges of our group? How do we organize this that We can meet those groups that we talked about, the, the, the safe place to talk, to open <laughs> share, to help each other. Sometimes it divides up, just like the, the, the young married, and sometimes it works depending on the group. I know so, uh, the empty nesters, they weren't actually really all empty.
1: moving
2: and making connections with yeah. other family groups so that they can get the help they need yes. things like that but they're not really able to do yeah and uh, hopefully there are brothers that would help there too mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah That's cool. not, not single dad ministries and, and mm-hmm. single brother ministries that would also have a that I a question in the study for years for these people to face these different people to faith. In other words, just, there are specific needs for specific groups. Is there just a uniform process that the church is using or what do you see? Have you seen any differences? Well, the, the okay, the irony is that the basic form of a, of a well-functioning talk that everybody was raving about in the late 90s was exactly... that basic you sit in a circle and open up the scripture read a parable or something and talk about it. Now then you adjust that with every different group. You know, adjust it as needed, add, take away, shape the format, but, but that's that's just a tried and proven way to do it. You know, if people come, they see if you're like our group, we had dinner together all the time before and you know a bunch of Cubans getting together and what <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you had any advice for balancing relationships outside of the small group. One of the struggles that we have in our group is a lot of people are well-connected. They have a lot of friends, even across churches in Atlanta, and but they're busy all the time. Hanging out with people, getting with other people outside, disciple relationships, kind of all the <laughs> way. So a lot of yeah. times when we meet, it's just a Bible talk. And it's not really, how do we yeah. actually kind of transition question. to, is there a point where we actually leave friends that aren't in your small group so you can devote to
2: your family? Okay, see, that's, that's one of those great problems you only have in the
1: kingdom. You have to be <laughs> a friend. can't I mean. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> spend time with everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, and if you're really great friends, you don't necessarily have to get together every week. Mm. And you do have to yeah. <laughs> and if, if your Bible talk is going to be all that it can be and all that it should be, you, you have to invest in that. Yeah, that will be. Maybe I don't get with everybody every week, but I do prioritize race. I do make sure I'm there, and I do make sure that I'm open to Yeah.
0: Yeah. How do you get people with different talents and different gifts to use that in those small groups instead, outside of just the leaders, to get
2: people to feel important? You feel in my head. You have something to offer. Just as much part of this group as I am. Yeah. Well, first, just telling them and, and telling your group, we all bring something to people, We all have gifts, and maybe that's even a great little group. group <laughs> exercise. You say, let's let's go around and share who with everyone what what we what talents we see in them, what we think they bring to the group. You go around. Everybody walks out. You know, and, and aware of what they bring. Yeah. And then, another thing is you start assigning things. you take care of this? you take care of that? Um, and and mm-hmm. encourage people to step up and use it. I mean, th- some of this is really simple, but it's just, we don't do it, we don't realize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people think, well, nobody asked me to do anything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't occur to them to ask, can I do something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, and giving people, in a sense, permission to serve. Mm-hmm. Would you please help us? Would you please do this? And of course, always looking for who can, who can lead the Bible talk who's learning how to lead it, who's learning how to do a great Bible talk, and, and even, you know, do the Bible talk and give each other feedback, and we, I know we used to do this stuff a long time ago, I'm not sure we do it so much anymore, where somebody leads the Bible talk, and the whole Bible talk gives them input, you know, or, or the old, I mean, I don't know if you guys do the exercise where, a people
0: pick to be non christians someone for I don't know that
1: you really run much of those, Oh, they're fun.
2: Oh, yeah. I want to be the atheist. I want to be the drug addict. <laughs> The first thing we're going to do is was, uh, get real and honest about how many people that are capable of reading a bottle of that are hiding out. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of don't want to live it. And talking about that. Come on, guys. You've know, you been given much, much is not expected, much is required. You know, mm-hmm. and, love, and use your talents, use your gifts, serve God this way. And I get it. You know, I used to have a House church, small group leadership, traumatic syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, we'll be patient. Early times heal and come back. You know, a lot of burnout. Years now, they're not leading anything. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make your brothers carry all the load. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the, the makeup of
0: some of the more successful, good for, I think of some more small, you small group, has it been?
2: Um, like for example, one of the first things we realized was that our Bible talks were all related, we our plan was geographically. So so you know, so, so the big fear was are like, you gonna try to make us you know think about great relationships and we our human friends for thirty five hundred years? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we set the goal. You know, obviously, the campus, campus mm-hmm. bottle talks. Okay. Some that were, missed, that were campus, single, the summer. They do it, a lot of didn't want to go back to the So it's, it's more the faith and these deeper yeah. things the uh, relationship, healing yeah. evangelism, yeah. yeah. that, that kind of That's what made it.
0: to share my faith on campus during the weekdays versus on Saturdays and Sundays. So, like, yeah. how did you guys, like, what does that look like with you guys just
2: coming together and sharing your faith on a Saturday? It, on a Saturday, it, you know, it, it's it depends on the group. And this is, like, what we're talking about with the young Mary's Bible talk, and you, you go to a park and meet, you know, you go where all the kids are. Or, um, you know, if you're, in, if you're a singles Bible talk with not a lot of kids or no kids, you go to the gym, you all go to a park to yeah. play basketball, or you do something, you know, we would, we would do stuff like, I, I would go to the park with my Frisbee. we start playing Frisbee, We would join us, right? Or we'd go with a volleyball yeah. net and set it up, and we'd go you know, play volleyball, and we have a <laughs> So, depending on what group you're in, what's your demographic, what's your target group, so to speak. Um, in our campus, it's started <laughs> on Saturdays, because, you know, nobody's walking around, unless you know, <laughs> the ground, hit the dorms.
0: Um, but
2: welcome to the rest of the church. That's how they have to do things.
0: But yeah, it's just again
2: kind of weird out.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you guys. Mm-hmm.